Hi! Welcome to The Game is Afoot. This is a podcast where queer guests... I'm back, baby! ...play games. I pick my jaw up off the floor real quick. <laughs> real quick. Put that back on. And do an interview. My secret is... This is published on the first and third Sunday of every month, so come join us. And I hope you have a good time. Bye! Hey, it's Dennis, editor and GM of Control Group. Let's give it up for our ads. And let's throw in one of our own. And I know what you must be thinking. Dennis, I'm already listening to the episode. Aren't I doing enough? And truly you are. But if you wanted to go the extra step, why not follow us on Twitter? At CTRL Group Pod. There we post a lot of information, character portraits, and little promos to the episode so you can get a cute little sneak peek to get you excited before you listen. You can also go ahead and jump on to the Be Gay Roll Dice Discord server. There we have our own little special place where you can come and talk to us about episodes and episode ideas and systems. Do you have a system you want us to test? Go over to our Patreon. We have a special $5 dev tier where... Once you pledge to that, we'll go ahead to take a look at your system, give you a nice little preview, and then somewhere down the line, we're going to go ahead and give your system a try. And if you don't have a system to test, you can also join our Patreon for as low as a dollar. There, you can go ahead and get access to special tests that we put behind a paywall, because they're probably too stupid to go on the main feed. Also, it's tried and true, but smash that like and subscribe button below. If you're on Apple Podcasts, give us a review. If you're on Spotify, give us five stars or however many you think is appropriate. Anyway, if you have the spoons to do this, go ahead. We really appreciate the support. We want to thank you nevertheless just for listening to our podcast. Enjoy the episode. Earth, 1730. It is a land that is much like our own, but oh so different. Instead of continental drifts separating Pangaea, the supercontinent, and a meteor taking out the dinosaurs, on this version of Earth, both events happened because of one another. A meteorite with magical properties struck the Earth, wiping out the dominant dinosaurs and rearranging the way we saw the world. Instead of slowly drifting outward, 70% of the known world instead formed a concentric circle of life around the All-Sea. The other 30%? The New World, as it's known, is separated by what is called the Great Divide, a large swath of impossible ocean. The grand civilizations of Earth over time became empires, and you know how empires go. If they can't conquer their neighbors, they start looking for what is new. They turn their eyes away from the All-Sea and towards the New World. A prophecy foretold of a princess that would be born with the ability to help cross the Great Divide. This limited this person to be born of only three monarchies that remained. Eucadia, France, and Espana. These three countries went to war with each other, employing the only ladies that could effortlessly traverse the All-Sea. Pirates. of the All-Sea. This doesn't make sense if you were... If you were her, you would have... You would remember. I didn't do all this. Search the entire All-Sea for you. 
and you watch her, like, hulk up to, to level three, and then eventually her full transformation. You're not her. Leave. Go! I'm gonna look at her and all the sirens and say, I have to go home and swim up as fast as I can. She reaches out for you, really unsure if you are who she thinks you are, but she lets you go. After all this time, she's finally found you, and if need be, she'll find you again. As she drops for a moment and goes, You could have come with me. We could have avoided this life altogether. Darling, I didn't know. I didn't. Losing you opened my eyes in ways that I didn't know were possible before you were gone. I wish I had gone with you then, but I didn't know. You feel a general uneasiness as Sal kind of lets go of your hand, removes herself from the cuddle. And you feel as the cot shifts as she's, like, sitting on the edge of your cot uh, instead of cuddled up next to you. Cecily will turn back around and, like, try and shift herself to be able to make eye contact with Sal. You watch as Sal kind of looks over her shoulder at you as she's watching you out of your periphery. The only bigger picture that I ever cared about was making sure that the ladies of this crew were safe. The War of the Three Kingdoms, it, it did end up tearing us apart, but we could have lost much more to take jobs during then and get ourselves involved with all that political nonsense. I think if I had paid more attention, I could have, you know, kept us out of more trouble and kept us safe, prevented a lot of things from happening if I had only watched and listened more. You know, I, Frey's not very emotionally uh, connected. Uh, she kind of just listens intently while, while feeding Eve and also feeding herself. And she, she doesn't really know how to, like, provide her with, uh, like, comfort. Mm-hmm. So she's going to uh, walk to the ocean real quick and pluck some wild sea grapes and yep, yep. offer the sea grapes to Eve and say, you know, you might have gone from room to room before, but now you're going beach to beach. <laughs> oh, you hear a lot of stories about the sailors and their sport, about how every sailor has a girl in every port. But if you add it two and two, you figure out right quick, it's just because the girls all have a lad on every ship. And it's twiddly-i-dee-i-dee-i, twiddly-i-dee-a. It's oftentimes a man will leave you broken with dismay. And it's twiddly-i-dee-i-dee-i, twiddly-i-dee-a. There's other things to twiddle when the men have sailed away. Yar variables here there be podcasts welcome once again to thirsty sword lesbians we are pirates of the all sea testing out thirsty sword lesbians by april kilt walsh and evil hat productions i am your narrator dennis foray and with me i've got some players and they're pirates 
Carrie. I will be playing Freya Kierkengaard. Hey, I'm Marcus, and I'll be playing Jessica the Beast. I'm V, and I play uh, Cecily the Cold Drake. And I'm Kate. I play Sean of House Lumley. We return to the hull of Hera's Vindication, where Sal Devlin, the captain, and the rest of her generals crowd around an unconscious Cecily. In all of your concern for her, you have all kind of barricaded yourself trying to figure out how to get your navigator back, because you have ended up in a precarious situation in between the Eucadian armada in front of you and Moreland Dagger's pirates behind you. As Sal is neglecting her captain duties in this perilous situation to look over Cecily, she is kneeled down by Cecily, who's laid out in her cot, holding her hand. And in a brief moment, you all at some point put your hands and kind of showing of caring on Sal's back or shoulder uh, to show that you're here for each other in this moment. And we go to where Cecily currently is. This inky, dark void where you are surrounded by normally what look like the spirits and apparitions that guide you, these faint, chalky, outlined spirits. But normally you can make out full figures, facial features, individual limbs. These are like puffs of fog standing before you, person-sized. Cecily and is not as afraid of the ghosts that she sees. She knows they could do damage, but it's like, eh, it's the ghost world. And we'll walk forward and start to, like, I don't know, like, touch the figures of, like, see if there's an arm there or, like, a hand. Yeah, you attempt to reach in to one of the inky blots in front of you, and your hand passes straight through. But then eventually you kind of feel it get stuck a little bit as a tentacle lashes out from the mist and wraps itself around (laughs) the full length of your arm and drags you in. And then uh, Cecily, (laughs) you are transported into a memory. And this is what you see before you. One that you cannot interact with. You are an overseer to it all. We find ourselves years in the past. So far in the past that the Grecian Isles are not tiny islands spread about the All-Sea, but one mega-continent in the middle of the All-Sea. This is centuries ago, before the fall of the island, where we come along the coastline. We find two young girls tending to each other. Athena and Artemis, as Artemis is playing with some fine lace ribbons, they come up to you, Athena, and wrap a red one along one of your wrists and a white one along the other one of your wrists to make it a nice little bow before getting in close to you and wrapping your hair up in another little red bow. Athena is the small, dark-skinned girl, one that looks so eerily close to Jessica, just missing the kind of shading that her scales make up on her face. 
Artemis looks so much like one of the sirens we met on Dionys, the one that confronted Jessica so long ago. As you girls are playing eventually, Marcus, your parents arrive. Ah, come on now, we're gonna take a little fishing trip. Nice. You, ma, me. I start running around and punching the air, getting ready to join them. <laughs> ah, I see you've been playing with your friend and you have the zoomies now. I don't really know what that means, but okay. It is something gifted to you from this island. It brings energy, hope, so much your tiny little body can't Yeah, contain. I'm cracking up now. So the zoomies are now canon? Like, that's literally part of... <laughs> zoomies are canon. <laughs> zoomies are canon and they are adorable. <laughs> <laughs> Zoomies are canon. Zoomies are canon. And steeped in Greek legend. Um, but can can I can I come too? Um, Artemis speaks up from behind. Oh, um, Artemis, I was thinking this would just be a family affair, if you wouldn't mind. I'm sure your family would like to spend the evening with you as well. Artemis kind of nods dejectedly. Alright, well, Athena, I'll see you soon and she turns you around and grabs both of your little tiny hands in hers. Honestly, this is totally unacceptable. We're going to convince him to come with us. It's okay. You're going to come with us. Your father is very stern. I have an idea, though. So, uh, don't worry. I'll, I'll be out there with you. Now, Marcus, for a long time you have been friends with Artemis, even in your young age. And you two have grown very close to each other. Uh, for mechanic reasons, are you smitten with Artemis? Yes. Alright, so with the Beast, we go to the Truths of Heart and Blade in the Beast playbook. And when you become smitten with someone, say why, give them a string, and answer this question. What have you done that you are sure they view as inappropriate? I think she thinks I'm boring, you know? I think it's like a constant, it's like a constant competition to like, make sure that I'm, I have a lot of energy and I'm super fun. And it's probably all in my head, but that's what I think. Yeah, Artemis has always seemed the more adventurous type. You have had, like, helicopter parents. Your father, very stern, uh, always watching out for you. His, his fragile little doll sometimes. Where Artemis's parents, not as, not as caring, not as attentive, allowing her to explore the entire breadth of the, the Gresham continent. So, you do get the... you personally have the insecurity that you may not be as adventurous or exciting as she is sometimes. But you can... as you feel her hands in yours and her little slight smile uh, of her plan, you know, if Artemis says she's gonna do something, she's gonna make it happen. As you part ways, you end up heading to the docks where you get into your family's little skipper. Uh, you see your mother there, and you guys begin plodding out against the water a little bit towards daybreak so the sun is setting along the water of the All Sea. And it's just your normal family fishing and dinner experience you've had before. You have laughs, have a great time with each other. A little bit later in the night, now that you guys are only visible by candlelight, your father seems to be looking off the back of your skipper. You hear him sigh loudly and, like, hang his head along the back of the boat. What's wrong? <laughs> he motions for you to come over. 
and when you do, he gets onto one knee along the back banister of the boat, and he pulls from his coat pocket a little telescope, and he uh, helps you direct the telescope to what he's seeing, and you feel his strong arms on yours, and it's nice formative memory of you and your father. But as you spy along the horizon of the All Sea, you see like a very tiny raft-like boat being paddled by one individual. As soon as I see it, I think I whip the <laughs> telescope around and like, oh, so interesting. Is that Cassiopeia? <laughs> ah. I just, I don't, we're like 30 leagues out from the island. I don't, this is dangerous. We'll turn it around and help her get back. She can tow off of us. It's, it's fine. I understand. It's um, very nice that you have such a, such a sweet friend, Athena. I'm sorry, Papa. I, I'm like, you can even see on my face I'm not at all. Like, this, this is <laughs> perfect. This is all according to plan. <laughs> <laughs> I know you're not sorry, <laughs> Athena, but it's all right. You should be able to live your life however you see fit. And as your father is preparing the sail to whip your boat around, you're still towards the back of the boat as nightfall is hitting pretty fast, as your only light source is the stars above you. You look over the inky blackness of the ocean, its waves curling over and over again until there's not much light and even with your tiny eyes you have trouble seeing to the horizon to where artemis is and then you are looking at the ocean beneath your boat and you see a light source some almost neon green light underneath a wave and as the wave crests and crashes the light source disappears and as you, like, pull yourself over the banister to try to get a better look as a small child, you see from your periphery another wave kind of crashes, and you see a purple light there instead. And you continue scanning along, and every second or so you see another different colored light. What are those? You call out for your father, and there's no response. You look around the boats and you head to the masthead and you know the basics of boating you should see him turning the sail around as he had mentioned to go and catch up with artemis but he seems transfixed just holding on to some of the rigging of the sail i think this is like my worst fear i feel <laughs> like i've heard weird stories of the sea and that's why i wanted artemis here but like something weird was gonna happen and like our boat's gonna sink i know it I want you to roll plus spirit for me. <laughs> that is an 11. All right. With an 11, you can finally hear it, Athena. A sweet, wilting tune that's flowing over the waves. It sounds like a lullaby, but prettier. and doesn't make you want to fall asleep. It makes you want to do whatever the singer wants you to do. And as you hear this tune, you get a better look at your father, and his eyes are kind of a glaze. Your mother is still at the little table below deck on the skipper, both transfixed, eyes wide open, unmoving. As you look towards the front of your vessel, it is 
quite dark, but the lantern you have on the front of your boat illuminates enough to see that you are heading towards rocks, jagged rocks that spike themselves outside of the ocean itself. Papa, we have to go. I'll try to pull them with me. Roll plus daring. That's an 11 as well. (laughs) All right. Uh, As a young child, you use all of your strength to pull at your father and you realize he's a grown man so you have troubles with that so eventually you take to just taking the ropes out of his hand for the masthead and as you do you feel your father's strong arms pulling you back and trying to wrestle the ropes for you as he's transfixed in the siren song eventually your father's strength overtakes you and he pushes you there's like a footstep onto the rigging, so he pushes you off like a a foot of stage, quote-unquote, and you fall to the ground, but it's only a foot. It's not far. But it is enough to snap your father out of it as he blinks a couple times and then he turns back and he screams your name, Athena. And that's one of the last things you remember of this specific memory as your boat crashes into the rocks. There are bits and pieces of your mother and father fighting to stay afloat as the torrential water begins pulling them down. And eventually you are pulled as well, until underwater you see those familiar neon lights come closer and closer to your view in the murky water, until you make out these beastly figures, but not so beastly as they took pity on a young Athena, and they blessed you, allowed you to become like them, turn you into a siren, as this is probably like the last memory you have of your human form, your human life. After that, you turn into your bestial form for years, decades even, scouring the water. And as time rolls on and on and on, you forget more and more about your old life and who you were. Eventually, you do come out of your beast form, find yourself unaged in a different society, probably far away even from your original siren group. Yeah, I want to swim as far away as I can. Yeah. Just keep swimming. And you find yourself lost and afraid a young young girl trying to figure out where she is in life and both time you have some memories prior to the incident you know of home eventually you make it back to where your home was on the gresham continent now just a tiny island after some digging and unearthing you find a little toy chest that has a couple of knickknacks in it, and you know this to be yours. And you open it up, and you see a couple of red and white and blue ribbons, and you see this drawing of you and Artemis, but you can't place who's in that drawing anymore. Eventually you swim off, circling around Dionys, and you see... One of the most beautiful sights you've seen in a while, this big, large ship with these golden letters on the side that read Hera's Vindication. I think that 
for a while as my memories were changing. My name was Jessa. And then for a while after that, my name was Ava. But then once I first meet <laughs> Captain Sal, I can't remember my name. And it just kind of jumbles and I say, Jessica. Yeah, we, we see a scene where you're like trying to get closer and closer <laughs> to the boat. And a lot of the, the sailors, the NPC sailors, are like, hey, little girl, do you need help? Like, what's your name? And you just like rattle off the first few sounds you've heard them say as they're like transporting goods onto the island. And you start with Jessa, and you throw Ava, and then eventually you just walk straight up to the captain's quarters and stroll right in where you see Sal talking to Cecily about something in the moment. And <laughs> Sal does not greet you with any anger or pomp and circumstance. You being a small child walking into the captain's quarters and asks you what your name is. And I say, this is unacceptable. <laughs> <laughs> That's an interesting name there. I don't know the answer to that, but you need to leave these waters now. We will in time. We are just unloading some cargo here for a friend of mine. Are you perchance lost? A returned obese. <laughs> Alright. <laughs> you know what? Fuck it. I'm gonna roll. I'm gonna roll on Sal's behalf. It was not good. Yeah. Cecily, would you like to roll plus heart for me? I'll try. We know that I'm such a great roller. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Actually, this time I did pretty pretty good. Um, that's an 11. All right. So, Cecily, as you are out of body experience watching this, you remember as <laughs> Jessica takes on this beastly form, you are able to go up close to her and you put your canonically cold hands against her scales <laughs> and these cold hands even in your beast form jessica remind you of some kind of cold clammy kid hands tying a ribbon around both of your wrists and then one along your hair and you slowly transform back i also have a move when someone touches my hand that um, oh, yeah. I can give them a string on me, but they have to give me the answer to a, figure out a person. So you can have a string on me. I think the answer is just that I learn like about the ghost stuff. And so like every once in a while, if we arrive on the island, that's why that's my first question is, are there any ghosts here? Yeah, I think you are like one of the first crew people other than Sal to learn of the ghost that I even have that because it's not a widely known secret among the crew that like in that moment when you learn something about me and I learn something about you like my eyes go like that weird white and like I don't see it but I I look like the chalky outline I guess like we've described before yeah (laughs) it's that weird of like oh I see you and you see me as you remember this fondly Cecily you are pushed out of this scene you find yourself back in the inky black dark space and this misty cloud figure fully forms and you see artemis in front of you and then artemis fades and you got three more inky blots in front of you i have a question though um would you say what i'm currently doing is divination yes cool that is a move (laughs) that i have and it's when I have the time and safety to read the unseen mm-hmm. truth of someone. Mm-hmm. It's basically I roll to see if they can clear a condition. Wow. 
10 plus, they clear a condition and I get a string. 7 through 9, it's just clear a condition. Yeah, roll. Can I, can I roll for every person, every mm-hmm. blob that I Thank touch? Thank God. To see if that might help my companions while they fight and I'm knocked Please. out? Please. Because that Please. was the point of me having everyone below decks touching you in some format so that nice. they can clear conditions from this. Great. Cool. I rolled a nine, so that's a success um, in terms of clearing for a condition for Marcus. I don't get a string other than the one that Perfect. we got in the backstory. I have been guilty for like three <laughs> sessions, so this is great. Yeah! I can do something <laughs> useful! As you have three more in front of you. I think, yeah, I'll... Move to the one that I think is the tallest. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you do move to the one that is tallest. That is what I was planning regardless, so good. The one with the fattest titties? You you move to the (laughs) tallest one, and you reach in like you did last time. No tentacles this time. Instead, you kind of pass through it effortlessly, like a, a beaded curtain. And you are back in your theater seat as we are pretty far north on the All Sea, almost closer to Arjun than we have been this campaign. As we see quite a few Norse longboats making their way off of, you know, the map that I didn't finish creating, because further north of Arjun <laughs> would be our Scandinavian brothers. But I didn't get there. So they come all the way down to where the map exists. And Freya, you're out with your family hunting for whales. You know, big in the Scandinavian diet. As you guys use every bit of them, uh, from the blubber to the bones, for weapons and everything. You are coming down a little further than where you usually would go for whaling. You have yourself, your father, whose name is Balder, and your uncle is also on the same longboat as you. His name is Giscard. As your father, Balder, is in line to become the new chief for your clan. Uh, He's got to win a couple more battles, uh, but everyone thinks he can probably clear these and then end up being chief, uh, which would put your family in high standing. Whereas Baldur's brother, Giscard, is kind of the family black sheep. He's, he's a big goof. He's a rond- rotund dude. He's got like this very nice frayed beard in between all of the, the braids on his beard. Uh, he's a big goofball. And uh, Freya, who would you say you are closer to in this moment at whatever age you were during the whaling incident? To your, to your father, ba- Baldur, or to Giscard? I was definitely closer to my father because he taught everything that I needed to learn about whaling, about about you know how to how to navigate, how to sail, how to find uh, the best spots, how to actually do the killing, how to bait them, how to uh, gut and strip the whale, and how to cook everything down. My dad taught me all of that shit, and this other fucking guy, guitar, whatever, what's his name? Wait, wait. Giscard, <laughs> your uncle. Guitar. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's guitar. No, Giscard. Because the Norse got a music. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, guitar. <laughs> yeah, he, um, he just gives me weird vibes. Not, like, creepy vibes, but just weird vibes. And, you know, like, 
he it seems like he tries to connect with me, but he just doesn't know how to talk to younger people. As you're fawning over your father, Balder, you hear a voice from behind you, Freya. Young Freya, young Freya. You you turn around and you see. <laughs> 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 hey, what's up? Can you do me a quick favor? Yes. And he extends his hand out to you, uh, pointer finger extended. <laughs> Pull my finger. Oh, not <laughs> again! I'm trying. Look, I think we're Freya. Freya, we're please pull my finger. Of, the pack of whales, and <laughs> we need to pay attention. As you do, you do see like closer to the horizon, like breaching whales. As your father Balder kind of curtly turns around as well and goes, <laughs> "Guitar, there's no time for that. <laughs> we are already so far from home. Our normal." Wailing spots seem to be disrupted as Guitar picks back up again. Well, you know it's because of the siren. The siren are moving the whales further and further south. It is a punishment our people are bearing. I don't want to hear about the siren bullshit. All right, Guitar. These are already dangerous waters the closer and closer we get to the Grishan Isles. Yeah, if I pull your finger, will you promise to not talk about the siren anymore? No promises. All right, I'm going to pull his finger. It lets out a fart, of course. I fucking got you. Oh, you had no idea. God damn it, guitar. Okay. Dad, how's it looking? It's looking eerily quiet, as you did see breaching of whales, you know, a few leagues out, but now that you've arrived closer in an hour's time, a dead stillness in the water. That's not a good thing. You see, because you want <laughs> it's you definitely want your whales. Not. That's whaling one one. You want your whales to be at ease, and if they're at ease, then they're making noise. They're breaching. <laughs> they're coming up for air. You don't hear anything, then that's a no no. It's a bad time. <laughs> As the silence is broken, what with what sounds like a wave crashing into shore? As it seems like water is shooting up out of the all sea itself as one of your battalions of longboats gets flung into the air and eventually the water falls back into the all sea and you can see that it is was a whale's tail that had flipped this boat completely upended uh, as you watch members of your clan fall directly back into the all sea with a harsh thud uh, some of them not resurfacing as the waters get choppy as shit okay we should pr- probably try to reverse our course. <laughs> <laughs> As you say that out loud, Balder does take your advice and begins pushing your boat backwards. And you guys move eerily fast. But it's because something was attempting to breach underneath you, but thanks to your good call, it's now breaching in front of you. As... You watch as what seems like this massive stone white wall appears out of the ocean with its textures and rivets. Eventually, a portion of the wall opens up, revealing an eye. (laughs) And then you are able to make out that there's a giant white whale in front of you. 
<laughs> it's Moby <laughs> fucking dick. Moby oh my is god. on the prowl. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. As you know, the water is getting oh, choppier. You hear all of the longboats around you starting getting getting fucked up by other whales. As you're watching boats fly into the air, getting tossed by whales, some getting swallowed whole by a breaching whale. Alright, well, I mean, at this point it's just kind of damage control. So I'm going to arm myself. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to come come to the side of the ship and uh, and grab my trusty... It's like a harpoon made completely of, like, mother pearl. And <laughs> it's, like, really... Yes. <laughs> it's, like, really shiny... Um, and on one side it says, every sinner has a past. And then on the other side it's gonna say, every saint has a future. And then that's, that's the harpoon, you see. As you wield your harpoon, your father Balder takes out his axe from his back. Uh, and a guitar takes out a small rapier. <laughs> As your father turns back to you, he simply nods solemnly in the Scandinavian way and goes, take care of the clan. And he does a little running jump. He jumps off the tip of the longboat, axe first into Moby Dick. And as they tussle, eventually Moby Dick resurfaces underneath the water. And Freya, unfortunately, that's the last time. You've seen Balder. As the battle continues, I want you to roll plus daring for me. Balder! Dash! Eight. (laughs) (laughs) Alright. With an eight, another whale attempts to use their tail to flip over your boat, thanks to your deft shot calling, because you now rank over a guitar, and thanks to your deft shot calling, you're able to move the boat out of the way, and you even have enough time to reach out your Saint Sinner spear, and pierce the whale's tail straight through, but eventually you get outnumbered with the members of your fallen clan already, those whales turn themselves on your boat as you are surrounded in this tumultuous sea. Eventually your boat gets overturned and you flounder into the water where you continue just stabbing whales fucking underwater as badass and stocky (laughs) as you are. Stabbing indiscriminately. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You just stab into the water. Uh, you You take a full ass whale out on the way down. Uh, but eventually you, you tire yourself out, you're, you're eventually slapped by a whale tail, and find yourself unconscious. You awake to the feeling of water in your lungs, and as you cough it out, you take stock of where you are, and you are on what we will describe as a sandbar, if anything. It's not even like a full-ass island. It is a small little strait of sand that has purchased itself up enough to stay above the water. There's like one tree that has made it onto this sandbar through miraculous means. And you look around and you see a couple, a few members of your clan. No sign of your father, but you do see that the members of the clan on the sandbar are surrounding someone currently like checking up on them but you can't make out who this figure is 
from your current position. Yeah, yeah roll to walk. <laughs> roll to walk forward. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. It's not. Roll I didn't Terry. see it in the system, so I don't think All right, I'll switch. Um, roll to switch. <laughs> <laughs> no, eventually you make your way over there, and the crowd kind of like immediately parts to your shot as a finger juts its way through the crowd into you. Into me? Yeah, like right in front of your face <laughs> as you're walking up. <laughs> Freya, can you do me a favor? Pull my finger, Freya. As you see, guitar. He is laid about the <laughs> sandbar. As you get a better look at him in this jovial moment, you look down to his leg, his legs, and one of his legs completely shattered from the, the shin. As he explains to you, ah, one of them ended up getting me whacked with a whale tail. You know how it happens, but it uh. It'll heal in time. Come, come, pull my finger. I mean, are you sure? Are you sure you want that leg? Because we're probably we're probably gonna be short on food. So if if there's a chance to save it, I guess we can save it. But are you sure? I just want to make sure that you're sure. He lets out a, a jovial laugh. <laughs> Such the pragmatist like your father. If it comes down to that, then sure you may have my leg, Freya. But. It'll be fine. We'll be saved in no time. The rest of the members of our clan know we're here. It'll be okay. Alright, well, just because you humored me, just because I'm actually kind of happy you're alive. <laughs> you pull his finger, he lets out a Oh, nap. god damn it! <laughs> uh, he winces in pain as the fart hurts him because <laughs> of his very broken leg. But unfortunately, guitar's words do not ring true. As day by day passes, and no form of rescue comes. You attempt banding together driftwood, but you can't seem to get anywhere further than the sand barge on the all-sea. And days turns into weeks, turns into a few months, as members of your clan just can't stand any longer. And they fall into the sandbar, and... You all do the unthinkable that you mentioned earlier. You partake in their flesh to make sure that you can fight another day longer. Yeah, I mean, it was pretty thinkable because I thought of it really quickly. And you cook and you cook, Freya, until... There's only a few members left of your clan on this beach. I know we're doing bits, but how does how does Freya feel in this moment? How is she actually portraying this? I mean, Freya Freya is a warrior. Freya is a grisly woman. Freya does not enjoy eating her her clanmates. She doesn't enjoy it. And of course these are people that she like she goes on adventures with constantly. But that's part of the risk that they take. Every time, every time that they go, every time that you go out on the ocean on a whaling journey, you might end up getting stranded and getting eaten by other by other people. That's that's just what's gonna happen, and we all know that as as Nordic warriors. We play it So if it if it wasn't the all sea that ate you, it might as well be people who. Loved you once. 
Yeah. As after time, there are only two members left on this island. Yourself and Guitar. As it is late one night, and you are both listening to the sounds of the all-sea rolling along. Guitar turns to you. You have the will to fight, much like my brother, your father, Balter. Freya, no matter what happens, please do not give up that hunger, that drive. I promise you, I won't. I'll I'll always be hungry, that's for sure. But seriously, I'm sorry that we never got closer, you know? I would like you to roll plus heart for me. Heart is not so bad. There is no response to what you say. As guitar has passed away. As we go through the night, you preparing your uncle's body, eventually, off in the distance, along the horizon, you see faint lanterns of a ship and illuminated on the side you see golden letters Hera's vindication well I already have a big fire going <laughs> yeah and they're able to see that Fuck and they yeah. come and rescue you the rest is history <laughs> <laughs> as Cecily you can go ahead and roll for Freya yeah don't let me down <laughs> uh, I got a 9 so you get to clear a condition very nice as you are jettisoned from this memory Cecily you are back in the inky void and this very tall ghost figure turns into Balder. What? Yeah. Do, I don't recognize this person, do I? No, you don't. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I think like... That's the genius of this storytelling medium. <laughs> oh, God. Ah! <laughs> I like, take a step back and I'm like, uh... <laughs> genius. <laughs> Very confused, waiting for them to fade into the darkness. He nods solemnly and fades into the darkness. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> Wild. Decidedly avoiding the shortest one, mm-hmm. I go for the other person. You go for the next void. Boop, 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 boop. New movie loads into the CD changer. We <laughs> find ourselves in Eucadia. Not too long ago. In the house, lovely. As Sean, you are arisen by a few of your ladies' maids as they help put you together. Uh, You have been called to breakfast with your mother and father. Uh, It seems your mother has a a great announcement for you. Oh, horrid. Uh, Okay, I think I... Yeah, I get ready. I let them put me in the clothes that they have laid out. Some days (laughs) I don't let them, and I try to wear other things. But knowing that I'm having breakfast with my parents, I will put on the, like, large, fancy dress that I'm supposed to put on. So poofy and so uncomfortable. It's so big. It's got, like, one of those extra (laughs) asses on it, you know? And it's, like, a whole extra (laughs) butt back there. As you head through House Lumley, you are... Not one of the main houses of Eucadia, but you're definitely not one of the minor ones. As you head through your marbled halls, statues of former family members grace each side of the hallways. Eventually you get down to the staircase, and it's one of those double staircases where like the east wing and the west wing meet together in the grand staircase. And then above the grand staircase 
staircase on the wall, there's this very large portrait. As mentioned before, Eucadians did not want to take to the Italian religion, so they invented their own, the Order of the High Sun. I'm gonna have you roll plus wit to see how much knowledge you actually have about this religion. Okay, <laughs> that's a six. I know shit. <laughs> you don't you don't know a lot about you don't give a shit about this fake ass religion. And you no, look sure. at this giant mural no, and it just shows this woman in a purple cloak preaching to these dis- uh, disciples as the the sun sets brilliantly behind her. And you're like, "All right, cool. What <laughs> Cool. I would like to take the banister <laughs> down the stairs. Um, I would like to use my extra. Yeah, ass. I'm gonna have you. I'm gonna have you roll for that. You're gonna have to roll for fucking. To you definitely have to roll to defy disaster. Yeah. Uh, you're gonna roll plus grace for me because that oh, extra okay. ass it, it might screw you up. It might because it, mm-hmm. it messes with the weight differential on the body. You know, like you kind of yeah. Oh, it definitely did. That's a four. <laughs> <laughs> as you tumble over the banister as you're sliding down it, <laughs> you quickly yeah, oh, pop up and fuck. dust yourself off. <laughs> As you head into your breakfast room. It's fine, it's fine. You see your mother, the matriarch of House Lumley. Her name is Reese. Further down the long feeding table, you see your father, Fletcher. A very tiny and meek man. Not doing much. (laughs) Good morning, Mama. Oh, good morning, your father. (laughs) Shuts off. Uh, No response from your mother. as She seems embroiled in some kind of parchment. I just go and sit down at my chair and get some, like, bacon. There better be bacon. <laughs> There's, you find bacon. I search for bacon. <laughs> yes. You add bacon to your inventory, and as your Yeah, I'm for sure slipping some in, like, the sleeves of my dress. Like, I've got, I've got bacon, like, in my tits. <laughs> I've got bacon in my tits. And <laughs> bacon tits. <laughs> you're sitting there, bacon tits. Your mother eventually puts her parchment down. <laughs> Sean, I have wonderful news. Well, uh, ex- uh, go I on. have yeah? arranged for your marriage. No. Um, <laughs> okay. Um, who and and why? <laughs> Those are the questions I have. Maybe why first, and then. Why? Because you are a young lady of House Lonely, my eldest daughter, that and you have yet to be wed. I yeah, because it's who? Why? Why do I need to be? I'm perfectly fine on my own. I can do anything that I need to just on my own. It's really fine. I don't need to be married. A shame, because it's already in the works. I, I promise you'll adore him. Well, who is it? Sometime he's working his way through the navy. The man of imports, poised to be the general one day, from a land far away from okay, here. Well, bully for him. Okay, that piques my interest for sure. Um, that literally being the only very tall I'd care about. Um, yeah, that doesn't really matter. I think you might be missing part of <laughs> the point. Well, the point is your stand to marry this lieutenant, and if you wish to say a part of. House Lumley, that's final, Sean. When is this supposed to happen? Three weeks' time. Well, alright, I guess. Sean shoves bacon in her mouth. <laughs> Sadly. As you make this play, whether actually resigning or waiting for a way out of it, 
you head about town later that day because you had already had a date planned. You head to your favorite cafe. It's it's like an Eucadian society, so it's like vaguely racist. It's like called like authentic Ichiba, and it's like a it's a tea house and coffee house, yeah. but like they're all Eucadians working there. Mm-hmm. And there there's no Ichiba. <laughs> Not in, in sight. In sight. Uh, they mispronounce that, every no. name for the tea no. and coffee. And oh, I'm taking a date there, man. I <laughs> suck. <laughs> <laughs> but you don't. You quickly and steadily fell in love. With this person, uh, they're also not from here. As eventually the door bell rings and jingles as this like very tall Zulu woman walks in. And then you see Cameron. I like get up from my, I like stand as soon as I see her. I get like very formal immediately. And I like stand and I like try, I'm like doing all the things that I was taught people should do for me if they're like trying to court me but they're obviously like dated weird things um and so i'm like i stand when she enters the room i'm trying to like pull a chair out for her (laughs) i can i can get to my own chair it is not anything for me to grab a chair clearly i i know i just i just it's just something i was taught to do um or might be appropriate to do I bacon and I I hand her some bacon. You pull for my out sleeve. some titty Not, bacon. No, yeah. No, <laughs> no. I'm. You're saving okay, the titty yeah, bacon. Pull, Is that what you're gonna say? I, I'm saving the titty bacon. You <laughs> you don't pull out titty bacon for um, a chair snafu. You pull yeah. out wrist bacon for a chair snafu. Oh, perfect. I'm gonna have you roll to entice. <laughs> so roll plus hard for me. Okay, come on, dice. Stop being terrible okay that's an 11 all right with an 11 you gain a string on them (laughs) and cameron's gonna get flustered and awkward from the list so you get a string with cameron thank you very much for the sleeve bacon sleeve bacon uh they don't have um food here is well they don't really have food and i thought you might be hungry um and it i don't know i i like bacon how uh how are you doing it's a beautiful day it is, it is. I am uh, pretty busy from work, so I cannot stay too long. That is that is completely fine. I don't want to keep you from your work. Do I know, is she here? She's not here with Eve, right? She's doing something else? She... Or is she... She is. Or, I don't know if Sean knows that. Okay, okay, great. How How is work going? It seems... Seems like they keep you quite busy. It has been quite tough since the end of the war. All that matters is my duty. Right. It. Sh- yeah. I totally relate to that. Completely. I don't feel like shirking my duties ever. That is good. I because eat some it, pa- it is a very big character trait I admire. Good. Good. Yes. Uh, well, uh. How are you? I've. Um. You know, I'm having kind of a weird day. I, um, I was just told that I'm engaged to be married oh. to a man who is supposed to be a general someday, and I'm to be his pretty play thing, his pretty little dancer who just spins in a little mirror so people can look at how lovely she is. I am sorry. Deeply sorry. She even stands up from her seat. Oh, are, are you leaving? I didn't mean to, to make you upset. You you should stay. Please stay. I am afraid I am just a 
quite a bit confused as to what you want or what this was. That's fair. There's no, that's, that's fair. I am um, sorry, it was just on my mind and that's not anything I want. You are just a puzzle that I wish to pour over for hours. I want you to do roll plus wit for me, Kate. That's a 10. Right, with a 10 light bulb. You invented the light bulb, first of all, but that springs Fuck up yes. in your head. That's the first <laughs> light bulb, is the light bulb. Uh, the second <laughs> light bulb. Why don't you just run away with your girlfriend, Cameron? You know, I have a wonderful idea. Yes. Is she still standing? Yeah, she she's still, still standing, standing awkwardly. She say, yeah. I'm going to stand up and I'm going to kind of like, I'm assuming her, or I'm envisioning her stand, her hands kind of at her side. And so I'm going to kind of hold onto her elbow and lean in and whisper in her ear, just, why don't we just leave? Why don't you and I just go? I, I love you and you're what matters and... We should just do that. We should leave it all behind. What else could matter? Sean, I love you too, but I am Zulu, and duty will always come before what I want. But what if what if you made your duty what you want? Why is your duty fixed? It is how our people go. We are protectors. I am here to protect someone, and I cannot allow myself. I could not protect both of you with all of myself. Then, darling, I I could help. We could bring your... I don't know. We could figure something out. I don't... I am sorry, Sean. I will not be put in a place to decide between who I am and what I want. I pull out some titty bacon and offer it to her. No, thank you, Sean. I must be going now back to my job. Don't, don't leave. Uh, have some tea. You haven't even touched the tea, and... She uh, cuts you off with a very passionate kiss, which all the fucking Eucadians are sneering at in this <laughs> this foe, oh, each yeah. of the I, tea house. I, I kiss her, like, so deeply and strong, like, as strong as Sean can kiss, she kisses that strongly. She's kind of a weak <laughs> person, but... <laughs> As you break away from the kiss, Cameron whispers to you, In another life, you would be my only duty. You may step out of the tea shop, and as you sit there for a moment to think about your life, think about your choices, Sean, outside, we see a conversation between Cameron and Bim and Chud from the first episode, the guards that work at the Canadian. <gasps> Call back Bim and Chud. <laughs> As they go. So it's decided the princess will stay here under our care and your watchful supervision. As Cameron nods, sealing in Eve's fate. Mm. Uh, eventually, Sean, you have to craft another way out of getting married to this general. I think Sean just like in that moment is like so crushed and heartbroken of like this like feeling so rejected knowing that she's knowing that it's not her but this like stupid situation and she's just like she like immediately starts trying to figure out how to get on a ship and get out of eucadia yeah you like head to the ports trying to find any passage you can away from eucadia and 
eventually you come about a vessel that's undocking a couple of things, and you see golden letters on the side. Hera's Vindication. Mm, I could use some vindication. <laughs> and I walk on board and try to find the captain. And the rest is history. <laughs> <laughs> you can roll for Kate now. The- oh, please, let <laughs> me be the only one that doesn't get anything resolved. <laughs> That's also a nine, so you get uh, to yes. mark a condition, or take one away. I am no longer afeard. <laughs> no longer Let it be afeard. known. Let it be known I am only guilty, hopeless, and insecure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, and in real life, because, man, life is hard. <laughs> As Cecily, you are whisked back to your dark mind palace and this shadow you were just in reforms itself into a spirit but one that is more familiar to you it does appear as cameron i give a little wave before she vanishes into the void (laughs) as she vanishes (laughs) you are left with one last inky blot i slowly turn and um step into it Instead of being in the passenger seat for this memory, Cecily, you find yourself actively participating in moments from your life. We start at the very beginning. You wake up shipwrecked, floating on a piece of driftwood, until eventually, like all others, Hera's vindication makes her way to save you. You are pulled aboard to a crew that is unfamiliar than the ones we've seen. Instead, the only faces that we have seen before are the captain, Sal Devlin, and her first mate, Moreland Dagger. I think not recognizing anyone, Cecily just, like, has been clinging onto, like, a sharp piece of wood and is, like, fiercely branding it in front of everyone. Um, And is like, do not come near me. And then I guess when everyone starts crowding around her, I'll, like move to the closest person and try and hold the sharp piece of wood to their neck. You eventually grab onto a random able-bodied sailor and ransom their life for yours as Sal comes up, poised, seemingly unaffected by all the commotion. We have no reason to harm a beautiful thing like yourselves. Please, you can put it down and we'll get you the help you need. Cecily, like, slowly drops... Um, the weapon from the person's neck, um, kind of, like, pushes them out of the way, and still holding the little piece of wood, walks a little bit closer to Sal, and just kind of stares up at her, and is like, Okay, I am- I have nothing else, but I must trust you. Um, and then, like, yeets the wood into the ocean. (laughs) (laughs) Over time, you learn the ways of this ship. It is not like the one we've seen before, actually. Instead of the golden letters that say Hera's Vindication along the side, you are on a different Hera vessel. Hera's Ivy, as Sal's armada of three ships sails the All-Sea, you grow closer to the Red Devil of the All-Sea, and also close to Moreland Dagger, her first mate, as they had already had something going on between the two of them, hot and passionate, and uh, you joined, creating that little thruple there. You come to know Sal, patient and measured in her ways as captain. You find that Morlin, who is this short little thing about your height, 
this green hair formed and kind of like a long mullet wearing, you know, leather over everything else in her is seemingly the opposite. Fiery jumps off the gun immediately. But nevertheless, the differences between all three of you is what ends up bringing you all together. And as the passion grows, so does geopolitical turmoil. As about this time, the War of the Three Kingdoms begins. The war for these princesses. And Sal is obstinate to take any jobs during this time, not wanting to engage her crew with this war that could possibly take their lives. And it takes smaller jobs and smaller jobs until nothing's left but war jobs, which means money stops coming to Harris Fleet and eventually food. You guys struggle for quite some time. About a year's time, you go without a job. Tensions are flowing higher and higher. Uh, even one night, you sneak upon the captain's chambers to hear a discussion between Sal and Morlin, already in progress. I will not let the ladies in my fleet die in a senseless war. Then, what else do you expect us to do, Sal? Starve on these seas because you don't want blood on your hands? What happened to the Red Devil? Grown too kind in the passing years? Ah, you hear footsteps moving around Cecily. They did grow too kind. I made the mistake that no captain should. I fell in love. You hear footsteps receding further into the chamber. Equally, I hope. I don't get what you're insinuating, Morlin. I see the way you treat her, the way you treat me. Her with a measured hand, me without patience. Promise you, Morlin, I love you both equally, and I will do what's necessary to protect you both and every pirate that's under my employ. I hope you keep to that promise, Sal. And as time continues, things get leaner and leaner. Cecily, the kind heart you have, you have been foregoing some of your rations to make sure some of the other ladies on the ship can eat, leading you weaker and weaker, almost closer to the state they found you in, shipwrecked. You pass out from hunger one day. You are found and comforted by Moreland as she kind of looks bitterly above decks. By the time you awake from passing out, you are alone in the captain's chambers, and you hear quite the ruckus outside. It sounds like a battle of sorts. You hear gunfire, swords clinging. Jesus. Um, Cecily, like, throws on her coat and, like, runs outside. By the time you get your bearings together and make it outside, that squall is kind of dimmed down, and the scene you walk out to above decks, you see bloodshed, gore, as quite a few pirates have encircled other members of your crew, amongst them being Sal. Oh my god. Um, as you're watching mutiny take place. Oh no. <laughs> no. Oh no, no, no. Who do I see? Do I see Moreland anywhere? Yeah, you see Moreland. She's like hanging off the masthead with a bit of rope, like she usually is. She's somewhere up in the, the raft, or the aft, most of the time, hanging from something. 
So you see her calling out orders, tying up uh, the defeated pirates and uh, sending them towards the plank. Oh, so she's throwing people off the ship right now. Ah, incredible, yeah. incredible. Mm-hmm. And as time quickly ticks away, another body falls into the sea, another body, and eventually as you're formulating a plan, you see who else on the plank but Sal. <laughs> I, ru- I, I run over and, like, try and pull her back from the edge and push off whoever is forcing her down the plank. Yeah, you're able to- you just straight up push that person off board. Yeah, uh, fuck They you. will help scream down into the all-sea below. Yeet them into the sea. Yeah, <laughs> big yeet. The big yeet. And as you try to help Sal off of the plank, you feel one of your arms being torn away physically, as Morland has your wrist in her hands. Morland, what are you doing? This is... This is mutiny! Are you... I understand that you're angry, but this is no way to react! What would you rather do, Cecily? Would you rather starve below deck like I found you? Or would you rather be a pirate? Take what you need like someone has forgotten to. What I need is my family. Together. And clearly that is not possible. I will stick by my family and friends. You know, this could have ended very differently. I loved you. I still love you. Don't pretend this is not hurting you. This hurts both of us just as much. I cannot believe what you are doing. You are literally tearing us apart. And for what? Money? Gold? Food? We can find that together in some time. It will happen eventually. Roll plus heart for me, Cecily. That's an eight. With an eight, your appeal does reach Moreland. You see on her face regret for her actions. She can see how she's gone too far, and she even extends her hand to yours to attempt to make amends. I reach back. Just before your fingers can touch, Hera's ivy takes on a pretty rough wave, forcing the bow of the boat high into the air before dropping due to your errant position along the plank. Both you and Sal go overboard, and you fall. A very familiar feeling of falling, feeling the cold wind off of the ocean, until you sink into the all-sea, move further and further until the water's not crystalline blue anymore, but a deep, inky blackness and you drown. You see the last visions of your body taking on this chalky outline, much like you see in the future. And the darkness gets brighter and brighter as spirits begin appearing in your purview. But eventually your lifeless body gets a tug. Sal is able to have made her way out of her restraints in the ocean surfaces you back above the cresting waves and off of some driftwood from the battle resuscitates you with a kiss. Mm, That's so cute. And as you come back aboard, you are changed, baptized by these waters. You used to have normal skin before that, but now you come up with this extremely pale and cold skin. Insane. (laughs) (laughs) Just as cold as the ocean. (sighs) And then you find yourself in that inky void again outside of the memory 
And that final blob of chalky outline turns into Morlin. I think as it's, like, forming and, like, solidifying, I try to, like, reach out and touch it. But because it's void, like, my hands don't connect and I can't actually reach them till they disappear. As they disappear, you can hear her voice saying, Not all spirits are dead. Some wander this earth. Having suffered a loss so great, it brings them here. You are alone in this void for a little bit of time, cold and alone, until eventually you feel this warming sensation. It feels like the rays of the sun along your body, and then you gently awake to see Sal and the other ladies with Hera's vindication all watching over you. Immediately once I open my eyes and I see Sal, I'm like, my son! Um, And I like (laughs) hug her, and then I'm like trying to get up out of the bed. (laughs) Yeah, you two embrace, and it's the first time any of you have seen a hint of the relationship between (laughs) Sal and (laughs) Sal. Oh my! (laughs) Sean uh, pulls out some titty bacon and eats it. Some things never change. We're like, whoa, that was from the flashback! How'd you get into the future? I always have bacon. (laughs) (laughs) And then all the stuff that was brought up in the flashback is now canon now. We see Freya's Sinner Saint spear on her back. (laughs) Yeah, everyone has something from their flashback. Sean says titty bacon. Uh, Everyone else's is like normal shit or cool shit like Freya's fucking harpoon. Yeah, oh my god. And as all of you head back above deck to deal with the problem that's happening in present times, which is your ship's absolutely surrounded. Right, we're fucked. (laughs) You look around at all that you're surrounded by, but far off in the distance, you hear the sounds of thunder arising over the ocean. And that's where we'll end this session for today. Oh my god. Oh, so much happened. Alright, variables, go to sleep, watch Riverdale. Bye! Bye! I was looking to close this one, but alright, we'll go into combat, I guess. It's okay. It could be like a uh, montage fight of like them learning <laughs> what I am, basically. No, it's I'm all according you. to plan. Be gay. Roll dice. An LGBTQIA actual play podcast network.